The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Horus Heresy. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adept of the Mechanicum, or a mortal in a galaxy of madness, you'll find your place here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, broadcasting deep within the bowels of the Vengeful Spirit. This is Remembrancer's Retreat Minisode. This is Handholding Will through Battlefleet Gothic. Welcome, everybody. Um, let's get started right now. I'm brand new to Battlefleet Gothic. All I have are my ships. I've got them painted up. I don't even know what kind they are. I just like the way they look. I don't know what they do. Where do I go to track down rules? Is there a Facebook page? On that Facebook page, is there a pinned post that has like a one, two, three guide? Oh, I see how we're doing it. Do you? Okay. So, can I get an answer, Steven? Uh, there should be a pinned post on the Battlefleet uh, Heresy um, Facebook page. Uh, you should also have a heresy or Battlefleet colon heresy, because there's two groups. And the only difference between them is one's got a colon and the other doesn't. Uh, that sounds like an answer. That sounds like a question for Austin. Yeah, so I blame the foreigners for this one. Uh, I actually had no idea there was another Battlefleet heresy group, um, but it is Battlefleet colon heresy. That's the, uh, I guess, the what I believe is the only U.S.-based one. The, the other guys seem like they're overseas, or at least... I, yeah, I believe they are. Yeah. I'm trying to find... Let me find the admin's name, because he's reached out to us a couple times. Um, what is it? Niklas Mjurker? Mjurker? I don't know. And then Tim from uh, Eye of Horus. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Mjurker sounds right. Um, yeah, I, I had no idea... Because I've been like I've been thinking of Battlefleet Heresy for since before I moved out to Virginia, so probably five or six years now. Um, and apparently, never bothered to search Facebook to see if there were like-minded souls. Yeah, so we've got well, two, but but it is kind of funny because while our rules are very different, you can see sort of the fluff overlap, which is cool, like where they're coming from with their rules and we are with ours. But anyway, yeah. yes, Battlefleet colon heresy alright and there is a pinned post on that page that has like a guide to get started right yeah so it's a guide to the the heresy rules right so it is a little bit of a liberty in that we expect people to be able to find like the basic battlefield gothic rulebook themselves um, mainly because that's like a copyrighted thing and I didn't want to post it on there and then get yelled at by somebody it's Google super search. easy to find. Yeah, Google search is your friend there. Um, but it's got all of the heresy rules, all of the like names of ships uh, that are legal for heresy, and, along with a little guide that kind of shows you where you can find those ships. All right, and what uh, is the title of that document called? Why are you going to ask all these hard-hitting questions, man? I don't know. I'm so sorry. You guys... <laughs> I, I should have told you, let you screen the questions so you guys could have prepared answers better. Yeah, man, that's how the president do it. That's how I want to do it. Is it called Legions of Stardust Heresy or something like that? It is called... Well, the document itself is called the Heresy Fleet List. That has gotcha. your ship list, it has your Legion rules, it has your appeals table. Everything we've so far come up with is... Uh, in that document. Okay. Yeah. So I can go to that document for all 
the rules on my ships. Is that correct? Or just the uh, names of the ships that are allowed for the era? The names of your ship and where it can be found. Oh, really? So there's a legend in there that'll tell you. There is a legend that says Imperial Fleet, Imperial Supplement, uh, or Chaos Fleet, Space Marine Fleet. And Armada so, for any of the other ones, correct? Yeah, Armada would be the Imperial Supplement. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, for, the mo- for the most part. Uh, I will say there might be one or two that are in the 2010 compendium, but not in the Armada Supplement. Um, but we do list out, yeah, it's right here. So Heresy Fleet lists, which can be found in the Battlefield Gothic rulebook, Armada Supplement, or 2010 compendium. And then the little notes will give you kind of a guide to where you can find those. Gotcha. So I find the names of the ships, mm-hmm. and I then go into the legend. I see where I can find them. I can go to those books now. And there they'll have pictures of the ships I currently own. Is that correct? Or- yeah. Uh, all, all the BFG ships with their rules have one of those lovely little kind of faux technical drawings of them on the side. Right, uh, and you can literally helpful. just hold your shit up next to it. Yeah, that's super helpful if you're just like me, who I'm like, this looks cool. I want it in the army. Uh, the only ship I know the name for is the Sticks, And that's because you guys fucking talk about it all the time. So I did uh, buy a sticks and I carry know what shit. that is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So sticks sticks is a uh, a grand cruiser. It's kind of the the in between stage between a cruiser, which is like a it's ship a line. heavy cruiser. It's a heavy cruiser. I'm sorry. Yeah, heavy. grand cruisers have two more hull points and an extra shield. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it's sort of the in between, like battle cruisers, heavy cruisers, grand cruisers, all that sort of in between. Um, either they're overgunned for cruisers, or like Stephen said, have more shields and shit. A okay, Styx okay. is kind of probably the best carrier in Battlefleet Gothic for like a ship with a human on it. Um, All right. Which, as Stephen found out, means it gets the crap blown out of it a lot because other everybody knows it's, it's true. the best carrier. It's true. Poor, <laughs> poor Hangman. She's so abused. Definitely a, um, I guess, a distraction Carnifex then, right? Oh no, oh, it's no. actually good at its oh, job. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Um, you don't want to yeah, use no. it as a distraction card effect, so you're just throwing away 275 points. Um, okay, so, okay, real quick, side note. In these compendiums, right, do they then have the points all next to the ships where I can see exactly how much they yep. do indeed? Yep, the points list, uh, if it can take any upgrades, and that'll be in there, and yep, well. how much they cost, all that's in there. Um, Breaks down although, the armaments and all that kind of jazz. Yep, all no. all the stats to to run that ship in a game will be in this Legion of Stardust uh, compendium you guys have put together. I, I forget the mm-hmm. name already because you know mm-hmm. had a couple beers. We're fine. We're moving along. In this document, you also have your Legion rules and army rules. Is that correct? So if I want to play Iron Hands, I go to this document. I can reference it and I can see what special perks they get. If I yep. want, to. yep. And any sort of additional special rules, like adding Space Marine commanders to, or Space Marine crew to your ships, that's all yep. in there. Yep, that's all in there. Yep. So really, all I need is the BFG rules, and those are the core rules to learn the game mechanics of movement and turns and that kind of stuff. Yep. I can go. Uh, and, and as a quick aside, because there are like FAQs and a whole bunch of different like attack craft rules and all of that, all of the Legion stuff bolts right onto the core rules. So if you want to run any, like we've run a couple different attack craft rules using heresy fleets, all of it works, all of it makes sense. 
that I've been able to find anyway. Okay. But as a beginner, yeah, just the BFG main rule book, boom, it's right there. Everything you need to know how to play the game. Excellent. Okay. So I got my ships figured out from the compendium. I've got the Legion points worked in. So I've, I've got all the points set to where I can write a list now, right? So mm-hmm. that's the basics I feel in a game is understanding how your list works in your army itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've Googled and I've found the rules for the main core rulebook. Now let's start through there. How does a typical turn for BFG work? All right. Or so, I guess even before then, right? Let's do, we've, we wrote our list, all right? Mm-hmm. We got our ships made, we wrote our list. Let's talk about picking a game. How do you set up a game? Randomly. The way the Lord intended. Legit, just roll a dice. A yes. single dice, um, and it determines there's two everything? Types of, there's two types of games to be played. Um, uh, you have raids, which are smaller scale games and generally go much faster. And you have battles. And battles are naturally the larger scale games. Um, you may end up using your whole fleet to half your fleet, uh, as far as stocked models goes, uh, in a battle. And raids will be simple stuff. Um, like, look, this one ship is trying to run from this one, uh, breaking a blockade. Whereas battles are like whole fleet engagements, planetary invasions. And you'll roll a die to determine which of those two types of missions you will play. Now, naturally, if you already have a mission that you just love playing and you and your buddy agree on it, then sure play that. Um, But otherwise, you'll be rolling for it. Um, And once you have determined raid or battle, then you roll again, and you play the mission that corresponds to the number, just like um, with standard 40k games. Okay, and what about battlefield setup? How do you go ahead and take care of that? Do you just put down a sun or a planet wherever you want? You can, if you and your uh, opponent know generally how you want the field to look. Otherwise, Battlefleet Gothic comes from that uh, time when terrain was randomly generated and procedurally created. Um, First, you roll a die, of course, to determine where in the system you're fighting. Like, one represents pretty much right next to the sun. uh, I think it's called a... I don't know what it's called. Mercurial zone? Solar zone? Yeah, Yeah, you're like... And that's the point where you're getting, like, hit with solar flares all the time. There are no planets... Like, it's inside a Mercury's orbit is a good way to oh, think about it. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes sense. And then it progresses out all the way to deep space. Uh, yeah, where there's it. nothing except, like, warp rifts and asteroids. Gotcha. So that also then determines what terrain you're setting up, which is... Yeah, each of those zones have a different terrain. And uh, like Steven said, there's a bunch of different ways to set it up. Uh, the most expedient... If you're just, you know, wanting to play a cool game and don't have, like, uh, a story, you know, kind of a narrative in mind, is you divide the table into six two-by-two squares. On a four-up, there's something in the square, and then you roll on the chart, and that'll be anything from a board-wide solar flare to, you know, D3 dust clouds or a moon or whatever the hell. Um, Okay, okay. And you just do that for all six. Um, And generally what happens is, you know, one player will do one side, one player will do the other, and whatever you roll, set it up however you like, and then you roll off for, ta- for table side. And just for clarification, all of these tables and the different missions are all just in that main BFG rulebook? Yes. Okay. Uh, gotcha. all, all that's in there. There are some other uh, missions kind of scattered 
throughout GW's right. I mean, PFC G- yeah, GW has done that um, forever, yeah. I feel, where they'll scatter, like, oh, yeah. you know, Stronghold Assault missions in the Stronghold book or mm-hmm. whatever. So they're well, not you see something in White Dwarf or something like that, too. Yeah, like my, okay. my personal favorite is a mission called Above Bellas Corona, which I think is in uh, the Armada expansion. It's in Armada, yeah. Yeah. Sweet mission. Um, so here's my thing, is I really love the idea of, like, the spanning tree. Um, as you start off with just, you know, one dice, you roll that, and that is creates these branches and forks to generate a narrative for you. That's really cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. For the expedient way, that's super easy, too. I like the, the concept of just, like, rolling dice, throwing stuff up. I really like the terrain setup idea for this. I feel mm-hmm. it's better than 40K, where it's just, like, you and your buddy are like, does this look good? I hope so. I don't know. Yeah, and you like know, you said, you can do that with you know, 40K. Tank but... trap is stopping a charge. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, all right, so we figured out our battlefield. We figured out what kind of game we're playing. What's the next stage? Determine point limit. Um, because okay, so you haven't written your list yet, even you. You def- oh no. Well, you it. Think of it this way, because again, as we've preached many times, Battlefleet Gothic is best played on campaign. So you'll already have um, like a two thousand point fleet list ready, and when you actually play the game, the attacker or one, uh, maybe even the defender in some cases, will say, okay, we're doing a raid, it's this, this, and this, um, let's play 700 points. And so you will take 700 points out of your 2,000-point list, and you'll play it. Gotcha, okay, easy. And it's not to say that you both have to play at 700 points. That's just the limit for that match. One of you could be playing 550 points versus 700 points. Yeah, and it's also because, again best played in campaign um, where the whole objective isn't even to win the game. It's just to get as much renown as possible. There's bonus renown for, pl- for just playing against a fleet with more points than you. So an attacker may say, Hey, I'm like 700 points. That's what I want to do. 700. And 99 times out of a hundred, if the defender's like, Hey man, my fleet's like 720. He'll be like, you know what? Roll dice. We'll do it. Um, it's a much more, I guess squishy on points than uh, sure. pretty much every other game I've played. Because it's like you said, it sounds like there's bonuses for not being exactly matched. Mm-hmm. There's hell some some scenarios actually. Matches. Some scenarios actually say attacker gets full point value of the scenario, defender gets half you know, half. For instance, okay, right. the uh, ambush one is like that actually. Mm-hmm. Blockade runs the same way. All right, uh, so we then determine points, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what happens next then? It's time to deploy. Put on your monocle, dust off your epaulets, commit your soul to the void. So Austin said you roll for deployment earlier. Is that the case? Um, generally, Sometimes. for most things, just because of the way that I've explained to set up, uh, you roll sides. Some missions, though, like planetary assault, there's a planet at one end and you're defending it. Guess what? You're deploying from that end. Okay. Um, and also ambush, obviously. Uh, yeah, like there, there are a few. That, right? There are a few missions that specify, hey, yeah, the defender comes in on this specific point, or the attacker it has to be like, you know, these three board edges or something. Uh, like so that mission specific. Yeah, like another mission specific example would be blockade run, where if you are 
the person trying to defeat the people trying to run the blockade, you have three sections and you roll off on a dice for each squadron that you're putting or putting on the board for one of those sections. So, Oh, so you don't, in that particular match, then you don't pick which ones go where you just, I guess yeah, you kind of do, right? But yeah, there's a couple so of scenarios to... where, okay. uh, you divide your fleet, you know, there's, you divide the, your deployment zone into three zones. You roll a die. Oh, you rolled a two left flank. Five, you know, in the middle. Six, wherever you want. Okay. Um, and there's actually the the craziest one they have for this is fleet engagement, um, where you actually pick your fleet's formation before the game starts. Um, and it's kind of a rock paper scissors thing that could wind up sort of, you know, Trafalgar battle lines sailing at each other, or awesome. one person coming in from three different directions. And that one goes so far as to not only say, hey, this is your deployment zone, but this is the exact direction all of your ships have to face at the start. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they're all so over the place. I do like how it is, like you said, all over the place. Very dynamic. You know, uh, a lot of opportunity to not play the same game twice ever. You know what I mean? I yeah, think so sure. far, that's what I'm liking the most about BFG from what I'm learning here is that with the way the dice set up and the the forking system for missions and then the deployment setup, it feels like you would never play the same game twice. Whereas in 30K, 7th edition, I feel like there's many times where I'm just like, we have six missions to choose from, and the typical deployment everybody uses is, what is it, Dawn of War? Yeah, right. Or like, you can play Dawn of War, but God, does nobody like playing Spearhead. Yeah, you know, you know there's some there's some deployments that are just more of a pain. Than yeah, they are. and like in BFG, there's a couple of missions that people are like, eh, it's not my favorite. Like, I feel like blockade run is super easy a lot of the time if you have the like fast ships. It can it can be over in three turns if you're lucky. <laughs> Except for Jason. Except for Jason. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's who Blood Angels had a bad time. Well, he was also up against my orcs the other day, and that that's not smart. Yeah. Um, All right. So we figured out our setup. We figured out deployment. What happens next? Is it? Do you, do you then roll? So you, you deploy, and then there's is there a seize the initiative turn? Or there is no like seize that? the initiative nonsense. Yeah. As always, um, it's dependent on the scenario. Yeah. Some have the defenders going first, some have the attackers going first, some have you just rolling off. Alright, so, the game has started then. What happens now? Rocking into the night in space. You fly. Uh, mm-hmm. Movement phase, of course. Uh, uh, actually, orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first turn of the game, or the first phase of the game, is when you would issue uh, orders to your vessels, nominally starting with the highest leadership, because as soon as you fail an order, nobody else gets to pass orders. The lines of communication have broken down. One dumb captain has ruined it for everybody. Oh, whoa. That's uh, interesting to know. Yeah. Yep. yeah so right. you have it's to... Like the admiral passing down orders, and if, you know, Captain Baron Von What's-It's-Fuck decides that, you know, he knows best, and you need to spend 20 minutes yelling at him, the other guys don't know what to do. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. so it is entirely possible to bork your entire battle plan before the turn starts. What type one of uppity uh, admiral wasn't listening? What are the types of orders you can give? You got um let's see, lock on is uh one of them. 
which is an offensive order, allows you to re-roll failures to hit when you uh, are shooting at another target. You have Come the New Heading, which gives you an extra turn at any point in time in your movement. Uh, normally, most ships, cruisers and battleships especially, have to go at least half of their movement, or 10 centimeters, I believe, uh, before they can actually make their first turn. With Come the New Heading, they can turn at any point in time and then make their normal turn. And let me cut in there for a second. Yes, I know there is a, like the 2010 FAQ states not that. Um, the 2010 FAQ says that a ship just gets two turns and have to do their minimum move before they can do either of their turns. So, like, normally, will uh, a, cru- a cruiser has to go 10 centimeters before it can turn, right? Okay. So, the, what the 2010 FAQ said was, go 10 centimeters, turn, go another 10, make another turn. This is dumb, because things like dust clouds or blast markers reduce your speed by five centimeters. And when your maximum speed is 20, you just can't go, you know, 10 centimeters times two. Right. You wouldn't even um, be able to utilize the. So order, I guess. we, and I got to say most groups that I know about, um, sort of wink and nod and ignore that FAQ. But I know there are people out there. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Um, we have uh, All Ahead Full, which is throwing as much radioactive coal and maybe the guy shoveling the radioactive coal into the engines and giving it all you've got. Um, that is for ships that just want to break through and get to a certain point as fast as they can. Uh, burn Retros is the exact opposite. Uh, slowing down your momentum. You can either not move at all, which you normally wouldn't be able to do, or you can go up to half of your maximum movement, uh, all circumstances permitting, such as blast markers, dust clouds, so on and so forth. Uh, Here's a tip from your local heretic. Do not not move. Uh, Then you count as defenses when you get shot at, which makes you really, really easy to hit. Uh, Reload Ordnance is crucial for carriers and uh, other ships that rely on things like torpedoes to do the dirty work. Uh, That puts everything back in the tubes, back in the fighter bays. um, It's ready for action. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then everyone's favorite, uh, Brace for Impact, which uh, is everybody grabbing onto the oh shit bars and uh, trying not to die. It's what grants you the four up save against incoming damage. So it's your feel-no-pain. Right, so you guys mentioned that in Battlefleet, there is no save of any kind, right? Yep, a hit is a wound. Your save is just hoping the other guy fails his rolls, apparently, right? Yep. Cool, Mm -hmm. all right. And uh, one more thing about all these orders. All of them, except for reload ordnance, all of them come with a downside. Um, When you're locked on, you can't turn because locking on. Um, everything else halves all of your firepower. So okay, your right. ship with well, four lances... Sense, right? You're focusing yeah. more on you've movement. Redir- and you've redirected way. power to some other part of the okay. ship. Like well, all ahead full, you also cannot um, turn. Yeah, all ahead full, you don't turn either. It's true. Interesting. All right. And like I said, yep. it all makes Same sense. Same thing with Brace for Impact as well, because people are jumping away from their stations to hold on to something solid. Okay. So, issuing orders is turn, or I guess phase one of turn one. Is a start. Um, So, what happens next? We've issued orders, you know? Uh, Let's go ahead. What do we do now? Do we move? Yes. 
So they say uh, that war games are won and lost in the movement phase. Do you feel it's even more prevalent and like a bigger case in Battlefleet Heresy? Uh, the movement phase is definitely when you win and or lose Battlefleet Gothic. Um, it is the difference between, uh, because with shooting, at least with weapons batteries, um, lances is a little bit different. Um, first of all, there's no pre-measuring in Battlefleet Gothic when it comes to shooting. So you need to make sure that you're using your movement to get yourself in range or get yourself out of range of the uh, opponent. Because if you declare your shooting, then you check range and you're out of range, you can't declare a different target. That's it. You just vomited ordnance into the void and it just, it was nothing happened. It is awesome. I love that. Yep. Yeah. And um, it's, it's also a lot of thinking because mm-hmm. uh, unless you burn retros, every ship has to go at least half its movement. And um, this half the movement that's located on the unit card or is on it the like unit base card, like, line that says like battleships always move this much? And, on the unit card. Uh, although okay. I will say, broadly speaking, all Imperial cruisers go 20, all Chaos cruisers go 25. Uh, there are some exceptions to that, don't get me wrong. Um, escorts and light cruisers tend to be faster uh, than cruisers. Battleships tend to be the slowest. Uh, although, I, and I forget what Steven has, that battleship is fast and scary. Uh, Desolator. Yeah, the Desolator is fast and goes 25. My Oberon goes 15, like a lady. Very yes, nice. she's daintily holding her skirts as she tiptoes. Mm. Uh, the Desolator is a fast bitch and uh, wants to touch you all the time with lasers. All right, so movement found on the unit card. Yep. We move... You can also turn in the movement as well. (laughs) Okay, that's when you make your movement, your turns as well. Yeah, Uh, Uh, one turn per game or per movement. Uh, movement. Yes, as long as you aren't on the order. Um, For the most part, and actually, I I don't know of an exception to this offhand. um, But your light, your light cruisers and escorts will get a ninety degree turn. Um, Your cruisers get a forty five. Your battleships get a forty five. Yep. Additionally, if you are near something that generates a gravity well, namely a planet or a moon, um, and you are within a certain distance of it, then, again, at any point in time, you can take a free turn, provided you are uh, at turning the beginning or towards... Your, yeah. At provided the beginning are, uh, and end of your moves. Yes, not, not, not necessarily at any time. Yeah. Um, but you can make that turn, provided you are turning towards the uh, planet or the moon. Okay, so that's like to represent a slingshot effect or something. Yeah, you get a little gravity oh, cool. assist. Yeah, because that's how uh, gravity works. Yeah. And some of the terrain messes with your movement. Uh, blast markers and dust clouds both slow you down by five centimeters, um, which can be not fun at all, because if you remain in either of those things, your shields don't come back up, which is what unfortunately happened oh. to my Oberon last game. Um, asteroid fields, you can fly through them. Um, but you need to take leadership checks to not get hit by asteroids and take damage. Uh, there's also Steven's personal favorite, the Warp Rift. Ooh, the Warp which, Rift. Which you can fly into, take a leadership check on 3d6, add them together, and if you live, get popped out a random distance away. That's super <laughs> sweet, yeah. But okay. if you fail, lost to the Warp. <laughs> yeah, it can be a great way to lose 600 points. Yeah. Or it could be a great way to just outflank, uh, uh, you know, half your fleet behind some straight somebody. up uh, that, that mega battle we did. Yeah, straight up won me that game. 
What a way to go. They're re-rollable. That's definitely a risk-reward sort of uh, mechanic I really enjoy. That's nice. That's a scary risk-reward. Appropriately. (laughs) Yeah, appropriately, they are... um, The warp rifts are rare. Okay, makes sense. Um, So we've moved, right? What happens next? Mm -hmm. We go right into ramming. Shooting, my favorite part. Actually, back back up. Ramming, yes. Ramming is a key. Oh, my favorite. These ships at people. So, so how do I do it's that? It's hard because hitting something three miles long when your movement takes you roughly the Earth to the moon is tricky. Uh, the first thing you need to do is before you move, like in the previous turns, you need to be pointed at the right direction uh, because the first thing you do is you go all ahead full, right? Which doesn't let you turn. Uh, you do that. You intersect another ship. Normally in BFG, uh, ships can sit right on top of each other. They just pass in the night. You have to try to hit somebody, um, which I like compared to some other games out there. Uh, then you do a leadership check. Uh, if the ship is the same size as you, you roll just your basic leadership check, 2d6. Uh, if it's bigger than you, you roll a d6 because it's easier to hit a bigger thing. Uh, if it's smaller than you, you roll 3d6. Uh, and if you hit it, the, the ship... Uh, if you're hitting it and you're in the front, like with your prow, uh, you do whatever the starting hull points of your ship is, that many attacks. Uh, and oh. then the the hit ship, if you're in a ramming situation and you like T-bone a ship, it gets half its starting hull points to roll back at you. So it can get you. Uh, and this is where Imperial Cruisers really come, in, come into their own because... Uh, the Chaos ships have five-up armor all around. Imperial ships have that six-up prow, so they, they really like smacking into people. Yeah, yeah. and um, I just if, love you the, cut, the if you do hit something head-on, they get their... Uh, the ship you're hitting gets its full uh, attack value against yeah, you. Yeah, don't, so. don't hit it in the head. Yeah, right. Especially yeah. not if it's an Imperial cruiser. You're going to have a bad time. Yeah. Well, that's why I, all my um, cruisers and battleship have the... Um, the diamond-plated nose tip or whatever. I really just love the idea of ramming that through somebody. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And satisfying, because it's not a thing, at least for me, as like a long-time player, like, I know that ramming and boarding are good things, but generally, like, I like to, like, get right up against you and then dump all my weapons into you. Like, don't hit me, it's ungentlemanly. So when people (laughs) do it to me, it always kind of catches me off guard. Yeah. Uh, unless I'm playing orcs, because well, that's <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, we've rammed and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's covered movement. Is there any other special action that could occur in the movement then? Not that I can think of. Boarding can happen uh, in the movement. I think boarding happens at the end. Yes, yeah, so you can declare. You declare, end, yeah. you declare the board that you're boarding in the movement phase. And that's you just like you have to be in base to base contact. You're in base, yeah. but ship. but the actual like event of fighting a boarding action happens in the end phase. Now, what's the the kind of boarding action we're talking about? Are we talking about are those assault crafts going in, or are they um like, so uh, being teleported onto the deck of the other ship? So, and we're we're kind of jumping in into end phase stuff here. Okay, but so there's two types of kind of going at it that you asked. One is a teleport attack, or a hit-and-run attack, 
Um, and that is, if you're a capital ship and an enemy ship has its shields down and you're not on special orders, you can declare that you're doing a hit-and-run attack. Um, and that's roll a d6, apply the critical hit. Um, critical hit charts, you know, 2d6, so it goes 2 to 12, things happen. Uh, so the hit-and-run, if you roll a 1, nothing happens whatever. Um, and then there's a variety of sort of port armament down, starboard armament down, engine room damage, that sort of thing. Okay, very cool. So you could, uh, it represents, I guess, just a, like, Terminators teleporting over, yeah, like wrecking some shit, and ten marines, teleporting back. Yeah. Uh, a boarding cool. action, generally speaking, um, I've read, like, Execution Hour and Shadow Point, or the two, like, BFG novels that Black Library put out. And a boarding action isn't necessarily, like, the two cruisers coming together and like, you know, one shoots like grappling hooks and people swing across. It's a bunch of like, you know, guys with jump packs pushing off and like little boats flying out of the hole and hitting the other ship, things like that. Gotcha. Um, I guess also what boarding torpedoes and that kind of stuff. Or distinct, distinct else? from boarding torpedoes. That's okay. that's an actual thing. Um, but yeah, you, you know, all these ships have a couple of hundred shuttles sitting around. Sure, sure. And they just okay. fill them up with crew and go nuts. Um, awesome. And the way boarding works is you take, um, it's like your the amount of uh, hull points you have left, uh, a couple other modifiers, like, you know, do you outnumber the enemy, or you space points, things like that. Uh, and then both players roll a d6, add their respective bonuses. Whoever wins does the difference in hull points and damage to the other guy, uh, and then there's a little chart for the various critical hits you can do to each other as, like, your crews are running roughshod through each other's ships. Gotcha. That's super cool. I like that idea. And, yeah, yeah so that's done at the end of the movement phase, then. And that's you have done, to be in base-to-base contact with the other Yeah, ship, right? like, declaring that it happens is in the movement phase. Oh, you declare it. Okay. But so, yeah, so you move, you move your base-to-base, yeah, you're base to base. You can say, I'm going to board, and at that point, the ship doesn't do anything else. And then in the end phase, all this stuff is happening. Okay, gotcha. So let, let's proceed then, all right? Let's yeah. not jump too far ahead by accident. Um, You've jumped to the end already. My mistake. Let's yep, the turn is over. Uh, so I'm assuming next turn, then, after movement, is shooting? It's the blowing stuff up phase. Oh, Tell me all about this. Majority of a heresy I did. fleet. I'm way out of range. I accidentally oh. moved away from my target. What do I do? Mm. Mm. Um, I'm commit, kidding. Let's commit go ahead. To do, yeah. Commit to doing better in the future, uh, for thou art doomed. However, gotcha. your opponent, who has moved into position, is going to shoot you now. Um, and the majority of a heresy fleet is going to. The workhorse of your damage output is going to be the weapons batteries, um, which I've described before as a shotgun in space. So, the reason that positioning is so key in Battlefleet Gothic, or rather one of them, because it's, it would be a disservice to say the reason, uh, is weapons batteries, their potency degrades based on the position of your target and how far away you are from it. Um, so there's the much maligned gunnery table, which is what they roll on. 
And depending on what you're shooting at, depending on how far away it is, depending on how it's facing you, uh, the number of shots that you're actually going to be using to roll dice with is going to change. Um, so say a murder, uh, which is a chaos cruiser, it's a gunboat. Uh, it has a firepower 10 weapons battery on the side. And it's going to shoot at another cruiser, um, say uh, just a, a regular old Imperial cruiser. If I could find the uh, gunner table, I'd be able to reference it. Stand by. All right, again, here we go. So you're going to take those. You would think, cool, my murder has 10 firepower. I got 10 dice to try and hurt this enemy cruiser with. Well, you're firing at a capital ship, and it's parallel to you. So it's uh, what is referred to as a beam. Now, thematically, shooting at a target a beam um, isn't exactly easy because you're so far away from your target that you can't actually see it. You're kind of aiming at where you know it should be. Right, because um, we're, we're talking, it's got a very small silhouette at that point. You know what I mean? You're, you're not even shooting the silhouette. You're shooting at energy signatures. So oh, okay. engines, life support, um, astropaths, stuff like that. Um, and when a ship is moving a beam, you know, it's moving through space away from you or with you, and you just kind of have a line of signals to work with. It could be anywhere between point A and point B. Just shoot at all of it. So those 10 shots, uh, instead of having 10 dice to roll, it goes down to four. Um, so your enemy's position as... Of so, your hold on, let me, let me interrupt. Your enemy's position, as well as your own position, are going to matter about how many shots you get. Well, the potency of a weapons battery doesn't change based on your position. Um, it's always based on the position of your target. Now, granted, your weapons, based on their location on your ship, starboard, port, prow, dorsal, they have an effective firing arc. So you can't shoot at something that's in front of you with your port or your starboard weapons because they just they don't have that range of movement. Um, but for the most part, yes, the position of your enemy determines how good you are at shooting. And, and we're not just talking when you say position. I just want to re reiterate everything you said. When we say position, we don't just mean the distance from your vessel to theirs. We mean the actual facing of the vessel as well. Correct. Although, yeah, that's if you are super outside awesome. of... If you are outside of 30 centimeters, you take a bad shift on that gunnery table. So say those four shots that you get, you're outside of 30 centimeters. So it goes down to two. Wow. 80% of your firepower just is out there in the void somewhere. Gotcha. And, and real this quick. Is, this is for ordnance batteries. Not ordnance batteries. Uh, weapons, weapons batteries. batteries. Okay. Mm -hmm. What are those? I guess those uh, are like weapons batteries. cannons then. Yeah, yeah, they're macro cannons, cannons, macro cannons, rockets. Yeah, anything that would be main armament on a Warlord Titan or better would probably be like the little guns on them. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, the main... Space Marine bombardment cannons work the same way. Uh, orc big guns work the same way. Heavy guns, thank you very much. Yes, uh, with a Z. Um, now... Say you've positioned yourself and this ship is coming at you instead. So you're hitting it what's called closing. Uh, in this case, all the energy signatures that you're looking for create kind of a halo. Uh, and you know that you can shoot right through the center of it and hit your target. 
so those 10 shots against a capital ship closing only drop to seven. So the difference between a beam being four and closing being seven is pretty significant. Um, now let's say you've positioned yourself really well and not only do you have this target closing on you, you are within 15 centimeters. And anyone who's ever played a game of Call of Duty knows what happens when you shoot someone with a shotgun at close range. Yeah, you win the game. Yeah. Uh, so instead of dropping to seven, you get a good shift because you're so close, and you have nine of your ten dice to roll. And uh, you remember when we said earlier that it's really bad stationary in BFG? If you shoot at a stationary target, they count as defensive. So you're getting nine shots. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's positioning, again, is key. Now, you fired all of your weapons batteries, and you kind of you did fairly well. Uh, and what you did was you didn't damage the ship, but you did drop its shields. Um, because every ship has a shield value. Actually, let me, let me back you up a little bit, Steve. Yeah. There is one thing. So, Will, I know the question you're asking yourself is, how did I know if I did really well on the die side rule? Yeah. And that is all contingent on the enemy's armor value. So you say if you're shooting the ship in the front, you look at what its front armor is and say it's, a, it's that murder-class cruiser. It's got a five-up armor all around, so you need five-up to hit it. Imperial, okay. gotcha. Imperial cruiser, six-up prow, six-up to hit it. If you get it in the side, it's a five-up. So with some, That's of, with some of these... With some of these ships, you say, all right, do I really want seven dice on sixes, or do I want, like, four or five dice on five? You know, so you, you kind of start playing those mind games with yourself, too, which I think is really cool. It's one of the big perks of Imperial Cruisers is that um, sometimes it doesn't matter how poorly you positioned yourself. You're just going to be stubborn and go right through it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and then Lances, which are the other kind of main gun throughout the fleet, uh, they're big friggin' laser beams. Uh, and actually, when you about armor. in in 30k and 40k, when you put down an orbit, uh, that's that's lance strikes. That's individual lances going. Uh, okay. If you gotcha. if you look on your model, each turret has about five of those big cannon. So that's what you're shooting across the vastness of space. Uh, and those need four ups to hit all the time, regardless of armor. Oh. Um. Real quick for anyone who's following along at home and happens to have the BFG uh, book right in front of them, we're talking about the gunnery table that's on uh, page 21. So, Or on one side of the cheat sheet, if you're lucky yeah. enough to have one of those. Or that, yeah. Is the cheat, real quick, now you got me on a side note, is the cheat sheet also pinned to the heresy page? It is not. Um, oh, we definitely should, though. Cause it's but we definitely has. should. Yeah, it's such it's, a... It's the difference between like rifling through pages because the Battlefleet Gothic rulebook isn't exactly laid out very well. Um, it like all the stuff that you would need is kind of just added in there when it suddenly becomes relevant, and then it's never mentioned again. Yeah, um, but it is great. Like you can read through the rulebook once, and then if you have that cheat sheet, you can kind of fumble your way through a game if there's somebody equally inexperienced as you, um, which is handy. Yeah, um, on one side. It has the movement phase, the shooting phase, the ordnance phase, the end phase, with all page markers or uh, page numbers regarding each like relevant part of it: blast markers, shields, uh, defense turrets, damage control, so on and so forth. On the other side, lists all 
of the orders and what they do, has the critical hits table, has the catastrophic damage table, and most importantly, it has the gunnery table. Oh, that is a handy. Mm-hmm. As well as little modifiers for certain situations and a tiny picture uh, giving you a target orientation. What closing is, what a beam is, what moving away is. All right. And you said we're going to pin that on the uh, page? Yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll okay. get that on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all right. Let, let's continue. Shields. Back, back shields is where we were. Shields. You hit your ship. Let's say you hit uh, that murder class cruiser three times. Right. Right. So okay, let, let's set the ground rules. Uh, for the entire examples, we're going to be using a murder. And what's the other one? Enemy uh, cruiser. We'll say a lunar. Yeah, we'll just say okay, a lunar. An enemy all lunar. Right. Okay. Sounds good. Um, oh, and also, and this is a little out of sequence. So brace for impact. Um, test making that leadership check to get that four up save. That happens uh, when all shooting, when the when a ship fires, you declare all of it shooting at once, right? So, like, these guns are going on this ship, this ship is attacking this ship, uh, and then the enemy gets a chance to brace for impact. Uh, so you do that kind of, you know, after you look at the gunnery table and see what the numbers should be, but before any dice are rolled. So sometimes you can get the enemy to brace, and even if you don't hit him, like, he's still half firepower for everything. It's still a win. More mind games. Interesting. It's a, just as much a psychological game as it is like a physical yeah. game of rolling dice. Yeah, there's and brace a, for impact is the only order. Uh, it's the only order you go under in your opponent's phase, and it's also the only order that you can try again if you fail. So, say our murder shoots at this lunar, and he tried to brace and failed. If our next ship tries to shoot at that lunar, the lunar gets to test again. Yeah. Because maybe that first, uh, maybe that first hit jarred everybody out of their senses or back to yeah. their senses, and they learned how to, you know, hold onto the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yes, shields, as we were. Um, yeah, so every we've done three has, hits. Uh, shields. Yep. And hits are nominally. So you know how when you shoot at a titan, uh, you've got to you got to bring down those void shields before you can actually do damage to the titan itself. Yeah. All right. So the void shields on these uh, battlefleet gothic vessels make Titan Void Shields look like wet cardboard. Um, Every hit that would normally be allocated onto your ship instead brings down a shield. Uh, And they do regenerate at the end, or at the start of every turn, provided that you're not under some circumstance that would keep them from doing so, like you're touching a blast marker, uh, someone blew up your shield generator, something like that. And every hit that's done after your shields are down, most cruisers have two, most battleships have four, so on and so forth, uh, it starts to do damage to the ship itself. So say, yeah, uh, like Austin said, three hits on this lunar from the murder. Uh, The first two hits drop the shields. The third hit actually does damage to the lunar itself. Uh, Congratulations, 10,000 people are dead because you grazed it. Yep. Then the fun part is uh, rolling for criticals because, you know, maybe you shot a lance through a bulkhead and just, you know, sucked out 10,000 dudes into the void, but the ship is otherwise not concerned. Uh, Maybe you aimed just right and you put that lance shot straight through the main bridge port and just killed the whole command crew. Captain, first officer, scry master, officer of gunnery, so forth. They're all dead. They've been reduced to their component atoms and they didn't even see it happen. 
And you said that's all on the critical table? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'll be the critical hits table. Uh, it goes from everything from weapons are out. Um, you can start fires on ships, which are terrifying, um, all the way up to bulkhead collapse, uh, which does an extra D6 damage to the ship. Um, so yeah. you can come through, you know, we've hit that lunar for one hole point, or that's, you know, nobody cares. Oh, a critical hit? Well, that sucks. Oh, bulkhead collapse. Six more points of damage. Now suddenly, your one hit turns into seven, and it's almost dead. Yeah, because wow. it's only okay, got eight so hole points. We, we have talked about exploding dice before in the past in our group chats and that. Um, I can't remember what the final verdict was for BFG, but does it have exploding dice syndrome where... Not, not exploding dice in the classic sense of you roll a six, you get to roll another hit. Because um, there are, I think there are, have. I don't have the damage chart or the damage table in front of me, but I, I believe there's, there's four that do extra damage to you. Right, but those are, those uh, are criticals. I feel those are fun, yeah, right? Critical hits. Are, and like the critical. first two of them only do one extra point. Gotcha. One of them does D3, and then if you boxcars it, you get uh, D6 damage. Yep. Okay, but there, there's obviously no mechanic that is like, you'll end up, if you, if you do this certain thing in the right way, you can get an infinite amount of dice to roll, so you might as well just no. roll shit then. No. 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 Okay. Um, but you can catastrophically blow up a cruiser to where you hit a bulkhead that causes an internal explosion, and the whole ship just yeah, turns I, into a sun. I Correct. could hit your magazine, and then you have a bad time. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Well, that is super thematic. I love you it. You hit the hangar deck while, the, while they're going from bombs to torpedoes. Uh oh, time. yep. How you like that uh, midway reference? That's one of my favorite good. reads in the Horse Heresy novels. Is when they describe a ship exploding and they just talk about how it blinks out into a small sun. And then, we'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. Oh yeah, so, yep. We're not even talking about that yet. This okay. is all right. Yeah. Let's go. Let's keep moving. Let's keep the momentum yep. going. What happens next? So shooting is done. Um, uh, other well, vessels have traded shots. Uh, Do we already talk about ordnance? So that's, ordinance that's is done in the ordinance phase. Yep. So oh, what shit. happens with the ordinance? Okay. Here we so go. So ordinance, the way it works is uh, there's kind of two generic types of ordnance. So your torpedoes in all of their various glories, and there's attack craft. Uh, torpedoes. Pretty much at the start of a campaign, everybody, unless you're cheating Mechanicum, has bog-standard torpedoes. Uh, they fire in a straight line out of your front arc. So not like directly ahead, but in that 45-degree uh, like arc. Mm -hmm. um, most cruisers, if they have a salvo, it's going to be six strong. Uh, escorts, it'll be one or two. Battleships, is nine is the standard. Um, and they'll fly out 30 centimeters, hit whatever they hit. Um, and that's, that's the way they work. I should, I should mention though, that ordinance phase is cool because say if it's my turn, I launch ordinance and move all my ordinance still on the field. And then the enemy moves all theirs. So torpedoes like on their, on the cheat sheets, it says they go 30 centimeters, but compared to a ship, they really go 60, which is nice. Like you're not outrunning them. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. That would be, yeah. Yeah. There are some specialist torpedoes that I'm not going to go into. They're rare and terrifying or useless. There's a variety. Um, but then there's attack craft. Attack craft are the cool ones. You've got fighters, 
which do what fighters have always done, uh, with the addition of shooting down torpedoes in space, as well as going after enemy bombers, assault craft, uh, and other fighters. There are bombers who will do nothing to fighters or torpedoes, uh, but will go after enemy ships. And then there's assault boats, uh, which, if they hit a ship and get through, will conduct hit-and-run attacks, which are just like the teleport attacks we talked about earlier. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, and then Thunderhawks, because they're Thunderhawks, um, operate like fighters and assault boats. So they fight like fighters against whatever, but can dive in uh, and drop a load of Marines into a ship. Uh, this, so the ordnance phase is actually kind of the most messed with by the community because uh, the standard book is sort of just, I have a token, my token removes your token, and both of our tokens go away. And they're infinite in number. Oh. For, for our specific campaign, this group, uh, we've settled on the atta- advanced attack craft rules out of Warp Rift 33. Um, and they're, they're pinned in the chat um, in the Battlefleet Heresy post. Uh, and what that does is that makes it a little more interesting. Because instead of just my fighters remove your bombers and everybody just gets off the table, um, fighters have a turret value. So you roll three dice on a four up, you've killed, or you roll three dice and then everything has an armor value. Uh, so, like, bombers are a four up. So, if their fighter bounces into a bomber wing, you can blow up three bombers and go home. You might miss all of them. The bombers might kill you with their, you know, tail gunners going crazy, mm-hmm. uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, but the generic things for attack craft that are true about everything uh, is you launch, you launch them in waves, right? Uh, space is vast, and it's hard to find things, doubly so for tiny-ass fighters. Uh, you're like 100 meters long. Nobody, like, you don't pop up on sensors at the time. So you can launch from a carrier. So say we have a dictator. That's sort of the bog standard carrier. It's got four launch bays, and it can launch fighters or bombers. You can launch any mix you want, uh, and then you can launch them however you want. So you can have a big wave of just, you know, three bombers and a fighter as sort of a single maneuver unit. Uh, you can launch four fighters individually to go around. But, and that big wave, you can split up that wave, but you can't recombine. And that'll be important okay. once we get into how this stuff interacts with ships. Uh, another thing you can do with fighters is you can put them on combat air patrol. So you stick them on a cruisers on one of your ship's bases, uh, and instead of moving around in the ordnance phase, they move in that ship's movement phase, just like with it. Uh, and then if any torpedoes or something tries to attack that cruiser, the fighters get a chance to attack it first. Which is oh, okay, gotcha. So handy. they kind of act as, I guess, extra turrets or whatever. Uh, well, no, they fight it just like they normally would as a fighter. Okay. But so, like, they can take out a whole wave of torpedoes, like a fighter can, no problem. Um, whereas turrets are another matter. So, speaking of turrets, uh, oh shit, your murder is being attacked by torpedoes. The first, oh, thing no. you have to, the first thing you have to ask yourself is, are there any bombers around? Because torpedoes can either attack attack craft or torpedoes. Turrets. Turrets, 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 turrets can attack. Turrets can attack attack craft or torpedoes. 
but they can't attack both in the same turn. So, oh, okay. You might see, well, I'm about to get hit by these six torpedoes, but there's also that big wave of bombers over there. Is that big wave of bombers coming after me, or will it only come after me if I shoot turrets at these torpedoes? And I remember, because there's no pre-measuring, if you see them relatively close, you kind of just have to eyeball it like, ooh, are they going to be able to get to me within one or two ordnance phases? Oh, no! Yeah, you can also run over these. Uh, like, if you put torpedoes right in front of a ship, you know, that's their 30 centimeters, didn't quite make it. And that ship has to go that minimum move unless it burns retro. Uh, so you can plow right into bomber squadrons or whatever, and they'll attack that ship just like normal, which is fun. Ooh, okay. um, but So there's six torpedoes. And let's say, you know, you decide you're going to shoot at these torpedoes. Great. Uh, first, you need to decide whether you want to brace for impact. Um, and if you do brace, your turrets are half. So you'd only have one turret as a murder instead of two. So let's say you don't bother with that. You roll 2d6. You need four ups to hit a torpedo. Uh, and that'll kill one. Let's say you have six torpedoes. So you roll two dice, you kill one, five torpedoes are left. Uh, they now roll against whatever armor facing they're, uh, they're in, right? So... For a murder, they're hitting a murder, it's going to be five up. Hit the prow of an Imperial cruiser, it's going to be a six up. Uh, So they go in, and let's say you get a little lucky, and two of the torpedoes hit the ship. You roll critical hits like normal, but the important thing is, your shields don't count. Because torpedoes are moving slow enough, torpedoes are moving slow enough that they go right through. Oh, wow. Yep. Like Some when the battle march through that bubble in, uh, in Phantom Menace. Yeah. Straight up Dune, man. Just go make it happen. Wow. Um, okay. And then, so two of, your torpedo, two of those torpedoes hit. The other three just continue going. So if there's another ship behind, they're going to hit those two. Uh, oh, really? Same, so yeah. Just, wow. Yeah. Okay. So yep, you can you just keep rolling until you either have ships torpedoes. or out of torpedoes. Yeah, you just have straight torpedoes floating throughout the field until... You know, they never hit yeah. anything. Yeah, yep. exactly. Or maybe um, just 10,000 years later, they crash into some asshole's house. You know, right. I don't know. <laughs> right? It's a possibility. It's yeah, happened. And it, it can get a little dicey to some of these scenarios. You know, you're coming from either side of the board and the enemy's in between, and you're firing torpedoes willy-nilly. Suddenly, you know, you can hit yourself with them. They're dumb. They'll hit you. Wow. Um, okay. I like that. Yeah. So let's say, you know... Now, now you've got fighters and bombers that are going to go hit a different ship that hasn't been torpedoed. Let's say they're going to go after that lunar. Right? Mm, so it same only thing. Has one whole point left. So same thing. You roll a brace uh, if you want to, and then you roll two d six. Let's say there's two bombers. Uh, let's say there's three bombers and a fighter. All right, they're the ones coming in, uh, and you get a hit with one of your turrets. So the fighter dies because fighters always die first. But simultaneously to kind of that happening, you roll turrets first, and then um, you suppress turrets. Now, there's... How do I explain this? All right, so in the the FAQ and certain attacks, or certain uh, rules for attack craft, one fighter suppresses one turret. Uh, In the rules we're using, they shoot at the capital ship, and for every hit, that suppresses a turret. Uh, 
And turret suppression, what that means is when your bombers go in, the first thing they do is they always attack the lowest armor facing on the enemy ship, uh, which makes orcs cry because they have a rear armor of four uh, and makes them a little better than torpedoes. Then you roll a D6. And the D6 you roll minus the number of unsuppressed turrets is the amount of attacks they get. All right. So let's say you have those three bombers go in. Uh, lunar fires. It's got two turrets. Your fighter goes in and it suppresses one of those turrets. So you roll, you know, a one, a three, and a five. Each of those you subtract one from. So that bomber that rolled one on its D6 didn't get any attacks. Uh, and then you have two, six attacks total. You roll six dice against the weakest armor facing. This also ignores shields, and that's the amount of damage you do. And I know that was a little complex because there's a couple of different like variations of the rules for attack craft, but that's that's how it goes down. Um, yeah. Bombers are super nasty, especially you know. Oh, hey, I fired at torpedoes and didn't notice those bombers, and they're suddenly in range and oval. Oh, no. Or, for instance, with orcs, you have fighter bombers, which can act both as fighters and then as bombers. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing to note, um, and this is why big waves of stuff is good, well, it's a double-edged sword. So let's say you have uh, that torpedo salvo, and you want to hit a ship that you've already been shooting at, right? So it's got a blast marker because you hit its shields. Uh, when those torpedoes contact that ship that's touching the blast marker or flies through a blast marker on their own, you roll a D6. On a 1, something sets off the torpedoes and the whole wave blows up. Same thing with the attack craft. Oh, that bomber squadron. Well, sorry, boys. You ran into uh, 300 nuclear warheads worth of radiation. All dead. Yep. Oops. Uh, however, the bonus to having big waves of stuff is that the turrets only fire at you once? So, like, if I had two waves of three, yeah. if I had two waves of three torpedoes, two turrets fire at the first wave, and then two turrets fire at the second wave, right? Whereas right. six, it's just two on the one. Ooh, um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's kind of a risk reward there. Uh, you can also shoot at ordnance. There is a very special column for that in uh, the weapons battery chart. Uh, it is the worst column. Six dice will get you one attack. You hit on sixes regardless of whatever you normally do. It's like lances hit attack craft or torpedoes on sixes. Um, one hit will kill them, but it's hard. Oh, on that note, uh, we didn't we didn't mention this earlier. Um, whereas weapons batteries degrade based on position and distance, lances never degrade. So, yeah, like, if you have that. four lances, oh, did we? Yeah. Oh, okay. Carry yeah. on. Hit on hit on fours regardless. You always get the number of shots. Um, and generally speaking, you you want a mix of both, right? Lances sound really good, but a cruiser comes with four of them is generally the best you get. Um, and kind of yeah. do the math on that, right? You have four shots hitting on fours. Cruiser has two shields. Guess what? You didn't actually do any damage, bro. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Even even the big. Lance Battleship, the Desolator, only has four. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So that's all I can think of in the Ordnance phase, anyway. 
Um, well, let's 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 say hypothetically that um, those bombers that went after the lunar, the lunar uh, didn't do so well with its turret fire, right? And the bombers got through, and the lunar, as you recall, after taking a beating from the murder, uh, only has one hull point left, and those bombers do more than one hull point. Uh, so it yep. is dead, and now we come to the most fun on the chart, or yep. the most fun chart. Yeah, catastrophic immediate roll. Catastrophic damage. Uh, there are four things that can happen to a ship when it's been, or a capital ship, when it's reduced to zero hit points. An escort is tiny and becomes a blast marker. Nobody cares. Yeah. Four um, options, but only two of them are really fun. You become a drifting Hulk, which you're just dead and out of the battle. Probably half your crew is gone, and uh, you just sort of float through the remainder of the game. A burning Hulk, which is the same thing, but you're on fire and oh. re-roll on the chart at the start of every. Uh, turn, which is exciting. Uh, and then there is uh, Plasma Drive Overload. Is that the, that the actual yep. name? Yeah, it goes Plasma, plasma Drive, drive Overload, overload um, which is take your starting hole points, or half your starting hole point value, uh, roll 3d6. Every ship within that range, roll half your starting damage in uh, Lance's app. See so what usually happens. four. Usually four for a cruiser. Uh, then there's a warp drive implosion, which is your starting damage. Same thing. So if you, if you have like a tight-packed enemy, enemy fleet, and I've, I've seen this happen. Um, one, one of my early games of Battlefleet Gothic, uh, I killed my opponent's battleship, and it got a warp drive implosion, and proceeded to kill two other cruisers that were nearby, just from like massive lance overload one of which also got a warp drive implosion and killed, like, another ship because it was already damaged from the first... Like, chain reactions are a thing, and they're terrible. Yeah. Right, so it sounds just like... I mean, we, we see chain re reactions in other Games Workshop games, but I think in here, it is potential to lose way more because this isn't just super heavies that will cause, like, a... a yeah, anything that's a not a one-hit like escort. Yeah. 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 When, like a, when like a Bane Bait explodes or a Titan explodes, you know, worst case scenario, eh, you lost some, some Marines. Uh, oh, no. no, no, no. We've all seen the situation where one night falls on another night onto another night, right? Oh, yes. But it's like that. That's but only all the time. against, that's only in like mega battles where there are many super heavies. But this is an event that happens, I feel, or would happen more frequently because this happens to all of your larger ships. Is that correct? Yeah, and yeah. if you're squadroning yeah. your ships together, uh, you have to stay within a certain distance, right? So, if you start One exploding, killing, is really going to mess yeah. you up. Yeah, it's a bad yeah. time. And for, uh, the yeah. other fun thing you can do, so, and this actually takes us back a little bit to the shooting phase, but uh, say there's a dripping Hulk around, and there's also an enemy ship, and you think to yourself, hmm. I only have, you know, I've looked at the gunnery table. I'm only going to get two shots against that enemy ship. You know, that's not going to drop its shields. What you can do is take a leadership check, and if you pass, you can shoot at the enemy hulks. And every hit you do, you roll again on the catastrophic damage table. So if you get so two you're hits... you're trying to cause a massive yep. explosion with... Oh, yep, man, you're that's trying to blow it up. I love it. Um, and, I mean, it could go kind of the other way. Like, you can put out fires by shooting it more. But there's nothing quite as satisfying as blowing up an enemy Hulk in the middle of an enemy fleet and just watching the shenanigans. 
Yeah. yeah. Now, remember when you said uh, that you like it when they describe the way the ships explode and it's like they become miniature suns? Yeah. Um, within the context of Battlefleet Gothic, where we're talking with ridiculously big distances, um, the 60 centimeter distance is a distance greater than the distance between the Earth and the moon. So when these ships yeah. explode and they're going like, they explode like 15 centimeters, 20 centimeters. These are huge explosions. Somebody, and I, I'm going to have to go back and find the page again, but somebody with like a physics, an astrophysics degree in far too much time actually like mathed out what the ranges are like in Gothic. And 30 centimeters is roughly the distance of Earth to the moon. <laughs> Which means, which means that like your forty-five centimeter weapons battery is flinging stuff further than mankind has gone. Yeah, yeah. like in person, which yeah. is sort after, of ridiculous. After two ordnance phases, a uh, thirty-centimeter movement fighter has has gone further than any manned spacecraft that we've ever made. <laughs> it's nuts. That's yeah, awful. you can you can kind of lose yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, you play those 40k mega battles. Oh, God. You killed, like, 300 men. That was awesome. Oh, 300 men. 300 men is, like, a successful Brace for Impact save in Battlefield. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, the average cruiser has a crew of, like, 40,000 or something ridiculous like that. Like, it just gets insane. Right, yeah. Uh, uh, clearly, but anyway. it's not even on the same level of as destruction. Yeah. Yeah, but we're we're getting a little off track here. So that's right, yeah, the so ordinance phase done. Ordinance phase done. Next is the end phase. Okay. Um, Administration time. And you do a whole bunch of stuff at this point. Uh, the one of the things you do is you remove blast markers. Uh, you roll a d6. You have to pick up that many blast markers if you're able to, um, unless blast markers are contacting a ship. Uh, they're the only ones that you can't move. And that gets kind of another mini like mind game. Like, Do I leave the blast markers in between us so the enemy has a tougher time shooting at me? Do I take them away so I can move to the next turn? Like, What am I doing there? Um, the other thing you do is fix critical damage. Um, most of it can be fixed. Uh, a couple can't. Obviously, if you take extra damage, you've got that point back. Uh, shield collapse and bridge smash you can't fix. But like, if a shot came through and took out your port armament, you can try and fix that. Put out a fire. Okay. God help us. Um, and you roll dice equal to the number of hole points you have. So if you put a ship on fire and it only has two hole points left, it's a bad time, because you need a six to fix the critical damage. Uh, gotcha. And you roll for it in both end phases. Uh, so you'll be doing it in your opponent's phase, too. Uh, but if you're on fire, you're taking damage then, so it, it gets real bad real quick. Um, this is also where you handle your boarding situations. Um, okay. Ships that are boarding will have done nothing previously, apart from you know moving into boarding. Um, and you'll, I think I already explained that how that works. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll do all that. Um, what else am I missing? Disengage. Well, yeah, disengage. disengaging is done at the end of the movement phase. So hypothetically. No, no, no. It's at the end of the turn. 
either way, um, hypothetically, you know, say that lunar that exploded didn't explode. You know, it's having a really bad time, but it's not dead. Uh, and you don't want to lose it. You don't want to have to spend like you spent some some games building this thing up. It's impressive. Um, and it would be a real big shame if it exploded and died. So what you're going to do is you're going to decide that it's better to live to fight another day, and you are going to disengage. So you go your full movement, or however far you want to go, circumstances permitting, uh, and you take a leadership check. And if you are successful, then the ship turns off its lights, turns off its weapons, just makes itself as small a target as possible, and just mm -hmm. floats away. Yep, just ghosts off the sensors. And there's some modifiers for that. Uh, first, you can't be on orders if you're trying to disengage. Uh, you can't have done anything in the turn previously, so no shooting, no launching organs, any of that nonsense. Uh, you get bonuses for celestial phenomena being near you, like asteroid fields to lose yourself in, dust clouds, uh, also blast markers, you get help for uh, And you get negatives to your leadership for enemy ships or attack craft nearby, because obviously if five enemy cruisers are like within spitting distance of you, it's kind of hard to vanish off. Um, and this is one of the things where BFG gets really interesting, because if a ship disengages, uh, it only gives up 10% of its victory points. If it's crippled, it gives up 25%. But either way, it's not the 100%. So you yeah, can right. actually... We should talk about that as far as uh, victory points scoring them goes, because most people think of victory oh, yeah. points as the, you know, I've, one, two, three, four. I've been playing four. since third edition and know what victory points. So victory yeah. points... These are the old school victory points, all right? And I'm, you know, let me lay on my rock, sit on my rocking chair and like lecture the children. Like, we'll get your mint julep. <laughs> right? Angry old man um, off over here. So what happens is if you have a 110 point light cruiser and it dies, it gives up 110 points, right? Okay. Gotcha. So it's not like 30K where, you know, your 200 point squad gives up just as many victory points as your 800-point Death Star. Sure. Um, which is cool, because, you know, suddenly your escorts kind of are expendable um, in the grand scheme of things. If a ship is crippled, it gives up 25%. Um, if it disengages, it gives up 10%. So unless there it's are, Unless it's crippled. So there are scenarios in Battlefleet Gothic where I can have no models on the board at the end of the game and have won by a lot. Because, um, you know, hey, I blew up your one cruiser that was worth 180. My four cruisers disengaged, so that's like 10 points each. So 80 points is all I've given up. I've won. Sure, uh, yeah, okay. BFG is also different from a lot of games that you victory like this, in that there's no space for a draw. Like in uh, old Warhammer Fantasy, if you were within, you know, if you were playing a thousand point game and were within a hundred points, it's a draw. No, you killed a hundred points of stuff, and your opponent killed hundred and one. Congratulations, you lost. Gotcha. Uh, which can get a little heartbreaking. To be perfectly yeah. honest, because uh, you're not really calculating. Like you, as Kenny Rogers says, there's time to count your money when the dealing's done. Most of the time, you're not. Immediate, like you have a kind of a running calculation in the back of your head of how the victory point spread is going, but sometimes you could think like, "Man, that was a close game," but I think I beat him out by a solid like 200 points. Nah, he beat you by 15. 
Damn, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is really cool. And it is bad form to start adding up victory, like, actually, like, doing a little math on the subject before you decide to disengage. Like, nah, man. Roll the dice. Yeah. Be a Play hero. it out. Be a hero. Be a gentleman. Um, the... Not the exception to this, but one of the reasons you don't disengage, though, is hulks. If there's a hulk on the table, it's worth 100 victory points uh, to whoever holds the field at the end of the game. So and you just have to have at least you know, one cruiser, I think, that's not crippled, or maybe uh, any, have one cruiser. Any ship, any ship. Oh yeah, there you so go. Anything yeah. that's not like attack craft or torpedoes. If you vanish from the field, that that ends the game, right? If all of your ships are gone, if you mm-hmm. still have torpedoes and stuff running around, doesn't matter. Game over. Um, yeah, which leads me noting on that point. If uh, if I can jump in there. Most scenarios don't have turn limits. Like oh, we play 40k, yeah, if we play 40k at six turns, seven turns maybe, if you're an Iron Warriors player for some weird reason. Uh, Battlefleet Gothic, you play until, it's like a game of chicken. It's a 10-turn game, long ch- game of, 10-turn long game of chicken. You're going to keep playing, you're going to keep bleeding your opponent, all the while thinking, all right, how much more blood can I stand to lose? Yeah, I think my record is 16 turns in a game. Good lord. Because yeah. a lot of these scenarios, well, not a lot, at least half of them are just until one side is destroyed or disengages. Yeah, it's like one of those, um, like one of those primitive ritual successions, you know, where they just cut each other with knives. Like, how many more can you do, man? Because I'm, I'm, oh no. And and of all the things in Battlefleet Gothic, that rule, just from like a playability standpoint, is why you really want to do this in campaign. Because if you're just, you know playing war to the knife like fleet engagement it's gonna take forever like you can really stretch the game out but if you're playing a campaign game like once somebody gets the upper hand the other guy tries to run which i think is a really interesting mechanic like because even in like 30k 40k campaigns you might like say okay i quit the game is over but you never have a, oh my god, I have to, like, get out of here. Yeah. In Battlefleet Gothic, you know, hey, things were looking great, and then turn two, my opponent got really lucky. Suddenly my battleship is dead, and I'm hosed. Uh, everybody just starts scattering. Like, oh, and it, it bears noting that if you have, if for whatever reason you failed to disengage, that fleet didn't do anything, or that ship didn't do anything. It's just sitting there, trying to disengage, yeah. and everyone knows that it is. Begging for death. Yeah. So, I mean, disengaging effectively takes a ship out of the game. Losing, or failing to disengage takes a ship out of the turn. Except you can still shoot at it. Yeah, that is is one of the things I love about this game, though. Because, like, that's realistic, right? Absolutely. No no army or navy in history fights to the death all the time. No, and that's what I love, is that it is... It feels like attrition kind of means more, right? Like... yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, you're not just counting like I killed these guys, I killed these guys. Like, oh, sh- in 30k, it's like, well, we still have fucking models on the table, and you, they wouldn't just be like, all right, see you later, man. We we did good. I'll, I'll see you later. You got to break contact with the enemy and get the fuck out of there so you can fight mm-hmm. again later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it sounds like BFG has actually done that. And it, I mean, again, as soon as you said that, my mind just opened up to ideas for 30k because I, I love that concept of yeah. it really being and it does it contact before you can call the game. Yeah, and it does it really well.
is like, I remember uh, like in the Civil War. So the Civil War, the losing side of a Civil War battle took on average about 14% losses. Think of the last time you played a miniature game where the game was over and the loser took only 14% losses. Yeah. In BFG, <laughs> that happens. Like in BFG, that happens sometimes. Like sometimes you'll lose that ship and be like, you know, I could fight this out, and I could kill half your fleet, but all of mine would die. So I'm not going to do it. I'm going to run. Yep. And running might actually win me the game. Because, hey, maybe I'll disengage, and, you know, it's only 10% for the rest of my fleet, so we'll see how that works out. It's true. And um, sometimes it doesn't go that way either. Like, you could think... You know, uh, I can't, I'm outnumbered and I'm outgunned, so I'm going to try and maybe kill one, and then everyone's going to dip out. Sometimes, you know, you go into the into a game or into a mission with that mindset of, I'm going to try and draw what blood I can, and I'm going to get out of here before it gets too hot. And the next thing you know, everything is on fire. You're on fire. He's on fire. The planet's on fire. And it's just, it snowballed so quickly, and now there's no hope except to fight to the death. Yeah, I think that's what happened to you Sunday, didn't it, Steve? Like you and it was. I was just gonna. I was just gonna plink away one of Jesse's cruisers. Like I looked over there once, and there's you know, ship cruisers on each side. It's looking like a normal game. I look back over, and there's like two ships in the table. Like what the hell happened? Yeah. Let me let me give you a quick play by play. Will we were having a good time? Well, then on, suddenly, I do wanna. I do wanna go into the play by play. But let's make sure we get all these mechanics down first, and we go. I, through the I game, think. So. I think we've we've hit everything. Okay, so, yeah, so the it, end is phase. A, it is more or less an illustration of the mechanics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. Um, Let's go ahead and hear it then. Now, so Jesse now we can did get some, into war stories, which I really want to hear. Jesse, uh, Jesse came up and uh, he he put a decent amount of firepower into my strike cruisers. He rolled real well for criticals, and the strike cruiser just exploded instantly. Um, crippled the one next to it. Dropped the shields and crippled the ship that shot it. Oh, that is the one thing we forgot to mention, Steve. I'm sorry. Explain crippling to Will. Ah, yes. So you've got a ship, and it's got you know a crew of 20,000, 40,000 people. It's got a whole bunch of guns. It's, it's an impressive thing. Um, and then some other dude rolls up on it and just beats the shit out of it. Once you drop below half plus one of your starting damage, you Which are Which I will point out is an FAQ. The main rulebook says 50-50. Yeah, uh, but 50% but is dumb. 50 plus 1 is, I think, a better mechanic. It's a little more dynamic. So uh, once your ship is crippled because it's taken so much damage, there uh, your weapons are halved, your shields are halved, your turrets are halved, and you move 10 centimeters slower, or 5 centimeters slower, um, because everyone is dead and all of your systems are broken. Um, a crippled ship is not necessarily removed as a threat from the board because yeah, there are many a story. Yeah, right. Yeah, there are many a story of a crippled ship uh, coming back to bite somebody in the ass. And we're doing a suicide ram. We're doing a suicide ram <clears throat> desolator. Um, mm. But they are effectively um, kind of cowed for a little while. Uh, a crippled ship has to make the choice of either disengaging, at which point you it's not just as good as destroying it, but it achieves the same effect for the purpose of that game. Um, or it can, if it's a squadron, uh, it can hide behind its hopefully more healthy squadron mate, um, because you do always, unless you pass a leadership to do so, uh, have to fire at the closest target. Uh, in a, if you squadron capital ships together, 
so Stephen's right. You have to shoot your closest target unless you pass a leadership. However, if those ships are in a squadron, you must shoot the closest no matter what. Um, I, I guess their thinking is, you know, the formation in sort of three-dimensional space is interposing that closest ship to the ones behind. So if you have a ship that's taken seven holes and lives, you can just maneuver your other ship in front, and that's like saving it. Interesting. Okay. And that ship can still fight. Um, like the the standard uh, lunar cruiser has uh, six weapons batteries, two lances. So a crippled one has three weapons batteries, one lance. And the weapons batteries, if it's in a squadron, which it should be, um, as it's crippled and it's on fire and just no one's having a good time, it's still doing what it can. And while the weapons batteries probably won't do much, that one lance, that's a 50-50 chance of either bringing down a shield or taking off a hole point. And if mm-hmm. you take off a whole point, that's a one in six chance of a critical. Mm-hmm. Um, so crippled ships aren't necessarily completely removed as threats, um, unless you're night lords, at which point you just don't care, and you'll blow up that crippled ship because you're a spiteful bastard. Um, but uh, that's crippling. Of, uh, destroying a ship despite it. Do you get In most campaigns and that kind of stuff, I think you guys have mentioned it, do you get extra points for wrecks, like securing wrecks? Like, set, do you get to sell? Yeah, when you, yes. when you so hold you the get, field, the, okay, you actually, claim the hawks. So, so we've gone over the turn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We go back, turn two, this whole thing repeats. Or I guess the next player's turn, this whole thing repeats. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Correct. Uh, is there random turns? Or is it all like, you go, I go, you go, I go? So the answer is kind of... Oh, you mean random... Like, I go and then turn two, I go first? Yeah, like, is there a possibility no. of a double turn? No. no. Okay. You'll, ne- you'll never get a double turn. Um, the games, it's about a 50-50, whether it just goes until side discourages some specific objective is accomplished. Um, but you were saying hulks, so not only do they give you another 100 victory points, but uh, in campaign, every hulk on the field gives you an extra point of renown. Because you captured There it. we go. There we go. Okay. I want to segue using that renown into the campaign, and what what do you do with renown? Uh, you do everything with renown. Um, so you've got planets, right? Everybody has some planets. We'll start. We'll t- use a civilized world. That's easy. So brand new admiral, brand new campaign. You have one renown, um, and that's it. And then you win your game. So let's say uh, you fought a fleet with the exact same points. And there, there's a checklist uh, in the main rulebook that has this. So forgive me if I miss something, because, again, I don't have it in front of me because I wasn't prepared. Um, but you'll get a point for winning if it's a raid. You'll get two points if it's a battle. I actually uh, do have the rulebook in front of me. And you'll, I get a, up. you'll get a point for every 100 victory points you beat your opponent by. Uh, you'll get renown for every Hulk on the field. Uh, and then some extras if, like, you know, you fought a higher higher point value fleet and won, uh, fought one at all is a point. There's uh, subplots, too, which we didn't talk about. There's subplots. We'll get there in a second. Uh, and then conversely, for every capital ship you lose, you lose a point of renown. So, like, I played Jason the other day, and I actually won the mission, uh, but I lost four capital ships doing it and wound up getting, like, no renown out of it. Um, whereas, oh, okay. whereas he, because I won the mission, but victory points still matter for renown, he wound up with like five renown. 
or something ridiculous uh, just because he, he caught me in a bad place and blew my ship's down. Um, so with these, with Renown, what that does is makes your planets uh, more profitable. So starting out, your civilized world is worth one. And then I think at 10 Renown, it goes up to two and so on. And like the Forge Worlds and Penal Colonies and all that, they all have their own little chart that'll show you how many resource points equates okay. to, or how much Renown equates to how much resource points. And the resource points you use to fix your ships, right? So if that friggin' seven hull point or lunar that took seven damage, seven repair points will fix it. Um, seven is a lot. <laughs> so you might just want to send that ship away for a turn to get like fully repaired and then it'll come back. Uh, you also use Renown to do appeals, uh, which uh, are dice rolls you do. Uh, like on a two-up, you get reinforcements. And you can add either a capital ship or an escort squadron to your overall fleet. Uh, you can do refits, which are charts to like make your guns better or make your ship faster or get an extra shield or whatever. There's a slew of them you can get. Um, or you can appeal in Battlefleet Heresy, just sort of like send out, hey, uh, I got problems, come help. Maybe a Mechanicum Cruiser will show up in in your fleet for free next game. Uh, or like a, another Legion will show up. Or maybe the wrong person will intercept that and your enemy gets 200 free points. There's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, wow. Renown is also how you generally win campaigns. Uh, it'll either be like first person to 50 Renown or first person to like 30 Renown and have X number of planets, that sort of thing. Um, oh, uh, the renown of your admiral also will dictate his in-game leadership. So in a one-off game, you'll pay points for your admiral and you'll stick him on the ship. In campaign, you have your flagship, uh, which like for me is my battleship. Okay. And my admiral is on it. He has one renown right now. So he is leadership eight and has a reroll. Um, if he gets to lead, uh, like 30 renown, He'll be leadership 10 with like two or three rerolls. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is both cool and like risk reward because, hey, uh, do I bring my flagship with my admiral and his oh so valuable rerolls to leadership checks right. to like the attack I'm doing or to like the defense I need to do? Like, how's that work? So, so yeah, it all, it all ties nicely together. Yeah, very cool, man. I like that. All right. Um, so that's that's been a pretty good rundown. I feel like I know way more than when I started. So that was good because you knew um, nothing. Yeah, exactly. And that's, success. That's what we, that's what this we has been this informative. Uh, real quick, we got to make sure that we pin uh, the what is it? The cheat sheet, and we got to yeah, make sure the reference that, uh, chart. Yeah. The legions. What is it? Battlefleet Heresy. I guess are what the rules are called. Yeah, that's on there. Mm -hmm. um, and we have to make sure those are pinned. They might be on there, Austin, but they're yeah, not they're exactly pinned. pinned. They? No, there's oh, no pinned uh, post on the on the battle fleet. Yeah. God damn it. On the page or the group? The page. They're pinned to the page. And the group. Well, the, the group. The group is what people are going to. The page, I don't think they are. Let me check. All right. They aren't. I just checked. Okay, fine. 
But uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll get them up there. Um, so we'll need those rules. Then you need the core rules for Battlefleet Gothic, which you can find. Mm-hmm. In the rules you guys have written up, there's a table that tells you where to find ships, and then you can find your pictures. You can compare those and say, that looks cool, that doesn't, and then let me build a list based off of that, because mm-hmm. um, like I said, I, I don't know the exactly is are, are three ordinates better than two? I don't know, you know? Um, Alright, so let's let's actually let's talk a little bit, because I didn't actually get into like constructing a fleet. Okay. I, I don't think we mentioned that. So let's say you've got your thousand point fleet or whatever. Um, you can take as many squadrons of escorts as you want in a fleet. You can have all escorts, you can have none, doesn't matter. Um, escorts for the Imperials uh, are anywhere from three to six ships. And the general rule of thumb uh, is you want escorts to have the same speed and the same hull. So like a Cobra is a little torpedo boat and it goes 30 centimeters and has four up on That's good and well. You generally tend to squadron them together and just blast tons of torpedoes at people. Right. Meanwhile, you have swords, which are the, the weapons battery escorts for the Imperial fleet, and firestorms, which are the lance boats. They have the same armor, they go the same speed. Most people like to mix them together and take a big pack of them because uh, like the sword has four weapons battery each, a firestorm has a lance and two weapons batteries. So you get up to like 16 weapons battery and two lances. Like That's oh, battleship okay. level firepower. Yeah, six yeah. Uh, they're also uh, harder to hit from the gunnery table. So that's also nice. Uh, but you can take as many of them as you want. Cruisers control yourself because you can only take 20 cruisers in your fleet. Only. God, uh, man, I really wanted that 21 in there. Right? At friggin' 200 points a piece, though, I don't know how you're fitting anyway. Um, then you get into the, the big stuff the battle cruisers, grand cruisers, battle, or heavy cruisers. Uh, you need two regular cruisers before you can take one of the one of those. Uh, and okay. some fleets have um, like legion rules may affect rule of thumb: two regular cruisers or light cruisers because they're all the cruiser class for one heavy grand cruiser. Then gotcha. you need any three of those ships to get a battleship. So if you want to bring, if I want to bring my Oberon. I need either any mix of heavy, grand, battle, light cruisers. All right? All right. That all makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it is, like, it gets a little annoying because sometimes you're just, you know, you really want to bring that battleship at a 500-point. can't. Um, but it's a lot easier list building than most other GW games out there. Uh, especially it because it, with only the real limitations being the prerequisites must be met before you can go ahead and take a battleship. Because let's be real, you're not going to send just a battleship out anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like Battleships aren't meant to fight on their own. They're meant to have cruisers escorting them and escorts running around as pickets. Yeah. yeah um, as far as fleet makeup goes, you can go super carrier heavy. Um, and that, I think, is one of the great problems with just playing the game straight out of that first rule book um, is that you could bring three dictators, sit them in a corner, spawn infinite attack craft and win. Uh, the rules we use, it doesn't work like that um, because you only get three times your number of launch bays and attack 
Uh, and they'll, like, if they, the bombers go out and they hit that lunar and everybody comes home, you can relaunch those bombers. That's fine. If those bombers run into a blast marker and everybody dies, congratulations. Three bombers short. Oh, um, they'll never, okay. That yeah, makes, I mean, they'll respawn. That makes more like, sense. It's not like they got a manufactorium on board. Exactly. Building more bombers. Like, they'll get right? restocked in between campaign turns. That's no big deal. But, <laughs> you know, hey. Shit, your carrier's out of uh, bombers? Well, you just launching fighters. You're out of fighters? Good luck. Um, and carriers are still super useful, don't get me wrong. Um, but they're not quite god mode like they were auto-win Tau carrier fleets. Um, but I like one in a, in a raid, you can get by without a carrier. No, that's no huge loss. Um, although if you know your enemy is going torpedo-heavy, it's good to bring one, just because fighters are the bane of torpedoes. Um, in battles, so at like 750 and above, I like to bring like one, maybe two. Um, and then you want a decent mix of weapons batteries. Because like you can go all weapons battery, and that'll give you a ton of But Space Marine ships have six-up armor all around. You're, you're not doing shit. Um, conversely, you could go all lances, and that might make a Space Marine strike cruiser have a bad time. But if you run up against uh, like a Lunar-class cruiser, you're not going to do enough... You don't have enough attacks to get through the shields and do actual damage. Uh, so I like about a 50-50 spread, maybe even like 60-40, 70-30, leaning okay. towards weapon batteries. Um, but that's just sort of personal preference. But you, you definitely want to have both in your fleet. And then, any any other list recommendations then? Um, I love the sticks. I don't actually have one in my fleet. Uh, well, Damn. I've got one in my death. I've got one in my Death Guard fleet. I've got one in my Death Guard because I love my fiance and gave her my sticks. Um, but it's just such a good carrier for the point. It's a lot of fun. Okay, so question. Um, I looked at the rules. The sticks <laughs> has three coordinates. Is that correct? Launch base. Three launch bays. Launch base. All right, and then on each side, can does it? Uh, I guess I didn't look close enough, but I guess does each launch bay? I think I saw dread claws on there, right? Yeah. So that's yes. that's the assault boats for chaos assault boats. Yeah. Okay. So I can't. Do I have any ships that can use the Thunderhawks I bought? So for Battlefleet Heresy, the way we've we've decided to roll, um, Space Marine ships get Thunderhawks. That's just their thing. If you want to use Thunderhawks in a like non-custom built for Sardi ship, you can, but they take up two slots in a launch day. So oh, that's okay. because you know they're big and bulky and take up. A so your sticks has the ability to launch Thunderhawks, but it can only launch three instead of six bombers or five. Gotcha. All right, and you so, can do a mix, yeah, that, so that, like eight Thunderhawk, right? four other things. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so you're saying I can launch six in total from each side, or in or no from, total in, in total from because it'll say port launch base three, start launch base three, right? Three does. squadrons okay. each side. They launch together or separately, however you want to do it. All right. So then I could do a mixed squadron of six, three bombers, three fighters. Yeah. And then um, my my general rule of thumb is one or two fighters in a bomber wave, and that kind of depends on what you're going after. 
um, right. because you need the fighters to suppress the fights because there's nothing more depressing than rolling up on a cruiser without fighter cover, losing a bomber to turrets, and then getting a total like one attack because you rolled really low in the dice. Sure, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, now, uh, I guess with, with all the main mechanics covered, I do like the, the getting recommendations things. As you guys are veteran admirals and uh, ship commanders here, what are some other tidbits of advice for new players then that you have that are just like, you know, off the cuff kind of, hey, this is a good idea to pay attention to? So, Squadron your Imperial Cruisers. Um, yep. They should always be taken in pairs um, because it's just sort of a design mechanic. The Chaos Cruisers do well on their own and they're designed for kind of long range firepower. Uh, the Imperial Cruisers aren't as good one-on-one, but two of them together are absolutely terrifying. Uh, so that's a nice, like, I'll like to take two Gothics, or like a Gothic, or not two Gothics, but like a Gothic and a Lunar. The Lunar has enough weapons batteries to drop some shields, and then you hit it with six lances, and everybody cries. Um, so you always do that. Uh, Remember that... Um I would say remember that your ships aren't necessarily going to have the same damage output in the context of the game that um, what you may be used to when you play a game of Heresy or a game of 40K. Um, For instance, we all know that a Plasma Special Support Squad will erase almost anything that it looks at. Um, But a single ship can only do so much damage to another single ship. So don't necessarily get discouraged or think that your dice rolls are bad when your big bad battleship only like drops shields and does two whole points of damage to a cruiser. You, yeah, you definitely like, have to pile on the hurt. That's a good point. Uh, concentrate your firepower. It's like Steven said, a battleship, unless it's like locked on, probably isn't even going to one-shot six-hole-point light cruiser. It's just not the way the mechanics will end up working, unless it gets a little lucky. Um, so yeah, you want like three... Three cruisers is generally what it takes to cripple, seriously injure another cruiser if everything, you know, all else being equal. Mm-hmm. Um, something else I would definitely suggest, especially especially to new players who are getting into the game because they, you know, have seen some of the stuff that we're doing and they're getting super gung-ho for it. And it's going to sound like I'm picking on someone, but I'm not. Don't go whole ham when you're buying a fleet and when you're building a fleet, um, because chances are you're not going to play a 2000 point game. Um, are Battleship, you fucking picking on me, man? Battlefleet Gothic yeah, kind well. of like Battlefleet Gothic kind of slows down at 1500 points, like starts to crawl at 1700 and comes to a bang dead stop at 2000. Yeah. I've, I've been playing this game since it came out. It is one of my all time favorites. GW or not, like the only thing I like better is Epic, and that's a whole can of worms. Um, but I've played a 4,000 point game of Battle of the Gothic. It took two days, and I will never, ever do it again. <laughs> yeah. Like, Just the ordinance phase alone will yeah, take when, the combined time of all previous phases. Don't do it. If you oh, want to have wow, a multiplayer really? game, have a multiplayer game, but have each side be 1,500 points. All right. Don't yeah, gotcha. so, don't go. So if you're games. if you're a new player, don't feel like you need you know to have two thousand points. Yeah, some of the most fun I've had. Uh, there were some of the raid missions 
where the other, where one side of the other gets half points. And I've played games where somebody had 500 and the other guy had 250. And that's some of the most fun I've ever had. Like, you've got a light cruiser and three escorts against somebody's, like, two cruisers. And, like, it's just a blast because there's so much, mm-hmm. like, tactical depth in it. Like, are you trying to get around the other guy? Should I brace now? Should I not? Like, is now yeah. the time to lock on and risk running into that asteroid field I may or may be too close to? Yeah. Um, something else Pat, to consider. What, one second. I want to. Pat, Pat had something, and he's been being polite and being quiet. So oh, no. Actually, uh, Steve already mentioned, like, definitely do not go gun ho into this. Because, I mean, let's be honest, guys. These models have been out of print since, what, 2010? So, so for us, like our best bets have been, you know, you find that lucky eBay. Look around. The the stuff isn't inexpensive. Like you are gonna be spending a bit of money on this, and like start out with something small. Start out with seven fifty. Yeah, seven fifty is the perfect size. And I can point out because this is not an eBay shop. Uh, Battlefleet Helios. Uh, H-E-L-I-O-S. If you Google that, that'll take you to a guy who makes ships for another game that coincidentally uh, happened to be about the right size. Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm pretty yeah. sure. But it's a legit thing. It's a website. It's cool. Uh, they don't look exactly like the ships, you know, the GW ships. Um, think kind of like Puppets of War. Like their space marines, right, where the GW space it, marines, something like space that. Space knights, yeah, yeah, okay. distinctly yeah. different. And, but and they're still beautiful. The um, and for him and Shapeways both, uh, if you want escorts, attack craft, battleships, they're the place to go. Um, they're very reasonably priced compared to like eBay store or the eBay sellers. Um, it gets a little ridiculous for the metal models. Um, for plastic ships, the basic Imperial cruisers and cruisers, you can get them from both places. They're, the Battlefleet Helios stuff is gorgeous. Um, it's also kind of like buying uh, Death Corps Krieg as opposed to Plastic Cadians for like the price difference. Like, Is it worth it? If you like them, yes. Um, but you can also pick up Imperial and Chaos cruisers for like 10 bucks two cents. Gotcha. All right. Um, very good then. Very good. I would. Uh, I do have one more thing to mention. Sure. Go ahead. Tips and tricks for new players. Um, again, especially people getting into this. Um, bear in mind that uh, Battlefleet Gothic, uh, in my personal opinion at least, was not written as a competitive game. The balance is very frequently skewed pretty hard to one side. Um, it is primarily a narrative game. It's about doing cool scenarios with these fleets that you've customized, and every one of, every one of them has a name that is significant to you. Um, so don't, don't get discouraged, again, if you play a game with your friend. You know, maybe you have some, uh, some old Battlefleet Gothic stuff laying around, not necessarily heresy, uh, and he just beats the tar out of you because he's playing Necrons or something. Uh, don't feel bad. It, it, that's what happens to everyone who plays Necrons. Uh, <laughs> it's it's all about you know the narrative of it. Um, hopefully, everyone should be using narrative judgment when playing Battlefleet Gothic and not just going nuts with you know the thing that packs the biggest guns and has the strongest shields. Um, but if you do find yourself in a situation where the balance doesn't seem quite right, it's supposed to be that way. That's why it's fun. Yeah, well, there is no fleet that does good in every. Oh yeah, that's play, true. Play too. around with it. Those gotcha. Necrons aren't stopping your blockade runners. 
Well, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate that. Um, a lot of good information in this cast. We know we said we were going to do a mini-sode. Yeah, that's what I say. <laughs> yeah, we're rolling right Remember what we were planned this to be in a mini-sode? Pepperidge Farm remembers. Yeah. Hey, man, uh, we cut it short. I could go another this, two hours. I know. We're really screwed yeah. now because we already titled our last episode The Great Big Battlefleet Heresy Podcast. Now this it's going to be The Greater Bigger Battlefleet Heresy. Well, I mean, yeah. they, they're called World <laughs> bigger War I, The heresy War to End All Wars, you know? So, right. yeah. yeah this I mean, I didn't even, <laughs> didn't even get the word tactic. World War II of yeah. Battlefleet Gap. Oops, all Battlefleet Heresy. <laughs> That's the title of the episode. Um, and as a, as a side note, I would like to uh, point out that I do still want to do one more uh, her- Battlefleet Heresy themed episode <laughs> where, we, where we go. Now that we've done an episode where we've gone into the mechanics of the base game, now we're going to break down the heresy fleet list and what that means in the context of those mechanics. Sounds good. Yeah, we can definitely do that again. I think. And um, if none of you are, uh, if none of you have ever heard it before, uh, we've we here at Battlefleet Gothic Heresy have um, have been jonesing on it pretty hard. If you've never listened mm. to Filk music, F I L K. Oh my god! It's basically like folk music, but in space. Uh, it has gotten us so pumped for Battlefleet Heresy since since I stumbled upon it uh, a few days ago. Um, a good song to, to start off with is called Dawson's Christian off of an album called Carmen Miranda's Ghost. Listen to it, learn it word for word, because we're going to be singing it at Nova. I don't know. Yeah, we that. will have this <laughs> on the go at Nova playing BFG. It'll happen. I like it. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. I do appreciate that. And yeah, uh, listeners, expect maybe a third. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see, right? The yeah, maybe in a couple of weeks, episode. you know, with that uh, appetite for some Nova Harris. Yeah, once we get the campaign going and we can talk yeah. more about that, and we'll all have some more war stories to talk about, too, which would be great. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. Um, does anybody have any last statements? This is just a mini-sode. We're not going to do plugs or anything like that. We're just going to go ahead and close it out. So, any quote-unquote mini. Uh, also, Fire in the Sky is an excellent song. Okay. Oh, <laughs> actually, you know what? We'll call this an extra-sode, not a mini-sode. No, no. It's, it's a full-blown episode now, Will. <laughs> yeah. Oops, all Battlefleet Harris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thank you very much. Uh, Steve, Pat, Austin, Jesse, we appreciate you guys being on here. And uh, I helped. You did. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jesse's here to edit. It's a, it's, he's, he's helping. Yeah. Me and my uh, robots. Right. Well, listeners, thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, we hope you get into uh, Battlefleet Gothic kind of the same way we have. Find at least you know just one person and get it going. That's all it takes. I know if we have any listeners in Maryland... Um, Bo and Ryan, or maybe just Bo, is trying to get some stuff set up. No, I got some ships set up for Ryan. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so Bo and Ryan are both um, for the ships. And all of a sudden, I cannot remember the name of the the store they play at. Uh, Crap. Games and stuff? Games Games and stuff. stuff. I think that's it. Games and stuff stuff in Maryland is uh, is trying to get some, some Battlefleet Gothic Heresy Edition off the ground. So if you're around that area, check it out. Hit up Bo. Hit up Brian if you know either of those guys personally. But yeah, that's it. All right. Thanks, listeners. We appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Have a good weekend, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Adios. Adios. Oh, man.
someone took my adios. I was being, I was being cultural. I'm Jesse. sorry. I apologize. I apologize. 